The Sanskrit word for energy is virya, and that is the fourth of the six paramitas. It is also showed up within uh, different uh, ways of teaching the Dharma. So you can show up at different places, and sometimes means the same thing as exertion or energy, sometimes uh, a different aspect of it. So the way I wish to talk about it today is that it is not like the conventional uh, mundane kind of exertion where you put your shoulder to the wheel, what is that, put your nose to the grindstone, is that another one? That doesn't seem like a very good metaphor for working. Put your nose to the grindstone. Huh? Wood. Anyway, some kind of push, just let's really get in there and let's, you know, it's like rah, rah, rah. It's like the circle of guys getting ready to go play football. It's like, it's just the opposite. Well, maybe it's not exactly the opposite, but it's a hell of a long ways away from that kind of exertion. And there are times when that's the only kind of exertion, you know, you can't just look and wish the refrigerator is loaded into the back of the truck that you're taking to the dump. Of course, they don't have dumps anymore. You don't know. We have to take it to the side of the road when nobody's looking and tip it off. You know, say, I don't know who owns this. Supposed to know. Um, so first of all, exertion in this particular way of talking about life, uh, they call this, I call it, it is a spiritual path. It's doing away with the mundane path. You have to have the mundane path. You have to have your everyday life to even support something like this. In ancient times, you could just different cultures. India, you could just become uh, sannyasin, you could become a mendicant, you could just wander, and you would be respected. And you could have an empty bowl, and people were happy because they felt like they had to be farmers or merchants or warriors or whatever. And so, but you were, you were uh, on a spiritual path, so there, you got a lot of respect for doing that. And so they would feed you, and it was thought to be good help you gain merit for yourself and your family to support the Buddha and his disciples and students. And other lineage through the Jains uh, did that, and so did the Hindus ask for donations. Dana, the first paramita of generosity. We're using concepts, so it's difficult to get concepts to, to align themselves with one's perception. If you if, if, if you were trying to explain uh, the color green to someone who was colorblind or someone who's blind, it's, it's like you want to give up before you even start because it's like there's no way to do that. You might try to use the other senses to approach that. Well, it's kind of like uh, green is kind of like the sound of a bird. Some things are green. They're nowhere near like the sound of a bird. But if you, you, what I'm trying to... Uh, Characterize here is all the different ways we try to what, communicate about things. So my um, function here as a Dharma teacher is to try to communicate to you what that particular paramita is about, energy, exertion, and it is not about pushing anything. So what is it about? Uh, well, it's like the sound of a bird, cardinal. What it is is, is it's, it's a way of seeing uh, the way energy works so that you don't get on board that kind of pushing, exerting, uh, trying to accomplish something. It is uh, it's closer to um, the mundane part of it would be uh, get your butt to the cushion, get up, move, come up the stairs in this case, sit down, 
And as soon as you sit down, everything else comes to a halt. Using the body, you sit down, hold still, watch what's happening. Because if you're trying to do some kind of exertion to get somewhere, and I'm not saying there are other paths that teach this in a different way. I'm not here to correct anyone. Uh, but I, I usually use metaphors, which is very common in uh, not only Buddhist teachings, but other teachings. To use a metaphor when you're trying to approach something that you have some understanding of, but there's no way you can say it conceptually without totally missing the whole thing. So that's what I'm endeavoring to do here. I can actually help you. Give me a few more minutes here. But I can actually help you by having you ask questions about this. And when I say the harder, the better, I mean it. I mean, so if you're I'm not saying you're trying to trip me up or make things difficult, difficult for me, but it's a mutual thing. So you can bring your understanding, lack of understanding, or somewhere in the middle, this direction, then based on what I see as a, as a teaching person, then I can perhaps come back and we can meet somewhere where we can get, where not only maybe, uh, maybe it might not help you, but it might help a couple of other people that are working with the same thing. So it's very much about helping others. The Mahayana path, the great vehicle, is about service or helping others. So just like the metaphor I'm going to use here is um, the circle. You have a circle. The center of the circle can't find the fringe. If the center of the circle leaves and goes to the fringe, then the circle is gone. So it's still separate. I'm using this as an example you know, the center of something, it can't find its perimeter. It's just a relative image that will perhaps help you see that what you're looking for is already the case. Uh, the, it, it feels like a, a path. Uh, the re reason it feels like you're moving along and you're starting to see more and more clearly is there's less and less ignorance. There's less and less blindness to what is in front of you. It's, you know, I could say nothing is separate. Everywhere you look, uh, there's not, you can't see anything but yourself. And it's already true. There already is a circle with a center and a fringe, but our, the consciousness is trapped in, the, in that center that thinks it is somebody. So just using that, here's a center, here's the fringe, uh, and here's, the, uh, here's uh, the center, and wanting to exert yourself is to leave the center and try to include something that is already the case. Uh, energy is already the case. So, the way you hear me talk about this, if you listen to me much, as I say, don't do anything else you have to. This way, you're you're always here. You might say well, that's kind of self-centered or egotistical. <coughs> to not do anything unless you have to. You just kind of you kind of smug. Don't do anything else I have to. That kind of a interpretation of it. So relative truth, relative truth cannot find absolute truth. You can't take, even though people, there are hundreds of books, thousands of books. I have probably half of them on Buddhism, which I've been reading all my life. Well, this, this way of thinking, that way of thinking. We study, you know, right now, eight or nine different texts of different times, and I encourage people to, to study this material and talk about this material. In this way, we, uh, we enforce support the Buddha, the teaching person, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha, this is a, you have to settle for this, this is all we got. Buddha's gone, so I'm a stand-in. Teaching person, what is being taught, the Buddha, the Dharma, the community. So you need, you need all three of those for this to work. 
Uh, I'm not saying that you can't suddenly become realized without a teacher. I don't think that happens very often uh, for someone to be completely realized. Uh, apparently, Romano Harshi back in uh, 1880 uh, was out playing football or something with his homies, came inside, walked inside, and, and fell in a heap on the floor, as the story goes, and died. Not physically, but mentally, he just died. We don't know how that happened. He didn't have a teacher. But, and he died to his personal self. And, and, and when he got up, he, he, could no longer, he no longer was interested in the university, no longer was interested in football. He moved from wherever he was, uh, whatever city it was in, went to uh, um, Runachala Mountain, uh, Tour of Benabali, and went into a cave and stayed there for 20 years. That society supported that, so he was he had a society that would support someone uh, giving up, uh, leaving home and becoming a, uh, a spiritual seeker. So he didn't teach for 20 years, although he had a realization. But then he went into that situation, and uh, I don't know what he did. Probably meditated, maybe, I don't know. Took naps, waited for people to feed him, which they did. Yeah, other people, I'm just going to give a couple of examples here, not that I know of all that many, but the other one is kind of a different one altogether. Is our, um, Byron Katie, who was a woman who our society supports that kind of realization also, where there's no spiritual path particularly. Someone who was in a halfway house uh, because of drugs and everything, and, and a cockroach crawled across her leg, and she saw that, and, and at that time, her personal self vanished, dropped away. My, I'm paraphrasing what she said. If you want to read uh, um, some of her books, she goes over that story. Uh, no spiritual path. It was 15 years before she started teaching. She, or as other people relate, she would come up to people and say, why are you acting like you don't love me? This is one of the things she said to people, and it probably scared the hell out of them. Like, what? <laughs> you? Love you? that about? And she wanted to hug everyone. This is how she related that. And uh, she didn't know, she had, uh, because of her kind of transformation, she didn't know what things were. She had lost the ability to name things. She had not lost her memory so much as she had just that aspect of the, the naming part. Uh, what this is, who that is, what this is, had uh, dropped away. It came back, but it dropped away for a while. So no teacher, at least she never has said anything about having a teacher. So those are some exceptions to that. So it isn't always going to be, not always so, not always the case. But what we find ourselves in, what I found myself in, was a situation where I had to go through a lot of training for many, many years. Working with the teacher, working with uh, the teacher's students who were teachers or appointed as teachers who were above me as I, I never I was a teacher. I was an instructor. I got to tell people how to meditate, and that was it. And I was told very specifically, that's all you do. You just teach people how to meditate. No advice. You're not a counselor. You're not a therapist. Teach them how to meditate, and then from then on, they need to talk to uh, either what they now call an acharya or a shastri or some other technical name for meditation teacher. It's, that seemed to work okay. So getting to the cushion, energy, get yourself to the cushion. Get yourself to the teacher, somehow. Uh, you're, uh, if you consider this person your teacher, you're very lucky. I only have a couple dozen students. I don't have thousands. 
and I'm not likely to have even hundreds. So that kind of exertion. So there's some of that. Get there. Uh, get to the cushion. Get to the sangha. Get to the study situation. Get to whatever the teaching person is saying. Study. If you're this person's student, then study what. I have sometimes people say, "Well, I'm reading this about Thich Nhat Hanh." And he says, "Yes, no, Thich Nhat Hanh is great. He's a great teacher. He has he has thousands of students. Probably maybe hundreds of thousands. I don't know. Like Dalai Lama." People are reading books by other people and then asking me questions about books I've never read. And I don't have time having read more books than I care to count. I don't have time to go back and read other books. So please, uh, I have a list of, I don't know, 30, 35 books. You want to read books? Read those. Just read the, the three volumes of the Trump or Rinpoche that uh, Judith Leaf uh, uh, translated out of the 13th seminary transcripts, which is a ton of material. Read those. Or just read the ones that are on the, that we study eight days, eight times a week. And then discuss them with other people. So read the material, discuss it with other people. It takes a lot of exertion. It takes a lot of energy to get to that. If you have an interest, if you're inspired, then you, you'll get to that. And you, you notice that it takes uh, the mundane kind of exertion. But when you sit on the cushion, the exertion that happens there is uh, just your body. Mind should be just do whatever it wants to do. I, I teach different than a lot of teachers. A lot of teachers are teaching uh, Shine and Laktong or Shamatha Vipassana or mindfulness awareness practice. Uh, to me, those are both the same thing. They're both Shikantaza, even though I taught the other way for decades. So the only control you need to have, the only exertion is to sit down and, and exert your stay still. Now, if your back hurts, pay attention to that. Move, stand up, move around, do some exercise, go stretch, do some yoga without any explanation. You don't have to justify it to me or anyone. In, our, in the monastery down south of here in Battle Creek, uh, people, uh, this is very spe specific instructions to people who are the temple residents, who are the Doman, the Doshi, the Han and Bell, or anyone who is kind of um, taking care of things there and trying to hold the forms. Somebody comes in, walks in, sits down for 10 minutes, gets up and leaves, comes back and sits down for 15 more minutes, and then they go outside, and they come back in. Nothing to correct there. Now, if you were in most other places, you, would be, you wouldn't even be, able to be allowed to even come in again. This was the beginning of the session. In Shambhala, you have to sit outside the door until the walking meditation starts before you can go in. So in that situation, the downside of that, the upside is more control, uh, the downside is too much control. People telling you when and what. You, people should not be, when I say should, I mean that. People should not be telling you when you could, should go to the bathroom. That happens, uh, doesn't happen with children. They get to go whenever they want to. But here we've got adults who are saying, no, you can't go to the bathroom until the gong rings. It's not going to work too well. So you should quietly get up and Go do whatever you need to do and then come back. Even if it's only just go out and look at the bird feeder for a while. Do that. That's really the only way you're going to find out how exertion really works. How virya, the Tibetan for that is sandru. How you're going to really find out what that is yourself. Because you're the one who gets up, goes somewhere. That way your awareness goes with you instead of going into, I wonder what people think about me since I'm getting up in the middle of sitting and going somewhere else. Which is what happens quite a bit. Or I should stay here. I shouldn't. No, you should. You should do what your body says, unless it's saying, "Don't meditate." <laughs> then I'd be going too far. You might want to 
all meditation really is. We have strong forms for it here because it seems to be helpful. But all it really is is just hold really still and watch. We just have a strong form for it so that it's easier to come in, have cushions, have sangha. Other people are sitting here, sit down in a symmetrical way, hold very still, and watch what the mind does. And eventually, if you do that enough, there's no guarantee, I can't guarantee it, but the way it looks, if you do that enough, eventually there will be, you could call it a breakthrough. Uh, all it is is just uh, you've stopped fiddling around. I mean, it, it, the, the, the stone will sink to the bottom. But if you interfere with it, or if you stir up the water, it's going to think it's it's going to think it flows. It's going to think it belongs on the surface. You know, metaphor only goes so far, of course. But but just please relax, sit down, hold still, assume nothing, believe nothing, disbelieve nothing. Just don't have any reference point for anything. Just just a, a just a breath, and don't even hang on to that. If you forget about your breath, for you'll notice that you keep on breathing. There's a whole lot of things going on that you're not paying any attention to. This is exertion, sitting down and just be. This, this is the exertion. And if you do it enough, eventually it becomes almost luxurious. You sit down and you, you all day you've been doing this, this, or all week, and then you, you come and you sit down and you hold still and you, you just become present. And if you're just present, there isn't anything else. There isn't anything to be present for or of. The thought patterns slow way down. And if they start to speed way up again, it's not any different than slowing way down. Comes up is the Tibetan word for relative truth. Dundong is the Tibetan word for absolute truth. Relative truth can't find absolute truth. Relative truth is not separate from absolute truth. It just looks like it's something that has a plus and a minus, a right and a wrong, a living and a dying. It just looks relative because of the way it shows up. That you can't send relative truth with the thought for all the books and all that. They're just they're just preliminary preliminary. It's like steps to a cliff. At some point, if you're talking to me, you're probably on the edge of the cliff. If you're talking to Technot Han, you're at a different point. You're probably in a, under an umbrella somewhere, having a cup of tea. Christina. I think you answered my question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, can you, could you give a metaphor for how relative truth can't find the absolute truth? I can. It's like, it's, uh, it's like the, the center of the circle can't find a fringe. If it does, it destroys the circle. The center of the, the, center of the circle is, oh. the center is one thing. Mm-hmm. Is the fringe one thing? Mm-hmm. What's this? Mm. Well, what? I was imagining Centered, like a ray coming out of the center oh. and then piercing the edge of the circle. Well, that's going too far. That's, that's too far. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, on the piece of paper, they aren't together. Oh, you drew it. Yeah. That's the symbol for the sun. Draw a picture of a mouse. Okay. Show it to me later. All right. <laughs> so we're just, you know, metaphor only goes so far, you know, inside, outside. Uh, Center and fringe. And so, but what's being said is what you're looking for is already here. It's already, it's already this. If you see, you, you both see separate beings and you don't see anything at all at the same time. If that becomes the case, you have uh, something that is talked about occasionally. It's called unconditional confidence. It is so powerful that it doesn't belong to a person anymore. 
It doesn't, there's no one who's confident. There's just, there isn't anyone anymore. So therefore, even though there's a voice happening, there's a expression happening, there's a holding something up, setting something down, there's a name, there's a, a history, there's memory, sometimes. <laughs> there's memory so you can function within the relative situation, but the, but the mind is not, does not, is homeless. The mind, it starts out as, uh, as you'll probably know, notice if you continue to follow this path, it starts out as loneliness, become more and more lonely until you become alone. Now, uh, alone is not lonely. Alone is just nothing is separate. There isn't anything else. Excuse me. It's a way, just a way of talking about it. Until that time, save all beings, be with all things, meet everyone where they're at, meet them in the middle of their happiness, meet them in the middle of their irritation, the middle of their anger, the middle of their depression, and don't try to change them into something else. All you have to do is meet them there. That's difficult to do because sometimes we just don't like the way people are acting. And so we stay away from them and we go bitch about them. Questions are good, okay? I think of exertion, I think of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is energy. What, what's the relationship between energy and the energy is uh, exertion is something you think you're doing or creating to push on something or do something, and the kind of energy or virya or sandru that we're talking about is already there. It's all it's potential, and that potential is not in the service of something else. It's in the service. It's just in service. It's just whatever comes up. It's ready to serve, to help, to give energy to. The bell rings. Time to sit. The, the, as you've spent time at the at the temple, you hear the the where you're at in the temple, you hear the the Han and bell, the, the wooden fish and the bell. There's a series of strikes that happen 15 minutes before sitting. You hear that, and you don't even have to think about it. Especially if you've been there for a while or live there, you just uh, if you have something else to do, then you know that you don't you don't owe anybody anything. You just continue whatever you're doing. So there's no parental kind of thing happening or oh you have to come now maybe you have something else to do if you can get there then it works it's reasonable then you would come when you can hopefully you come right then or within that 50 or 15 minutes to finish up what you're doing and it's there's an energy to that there's a an energy that is just i'm not saying if you if you have compromises with your own health and then, then maybe you should stay in bed and the only thing would be required is just let the me or let the eno know what's happening. So there's very much communication and cooperation happening there. There's no rule following happens there. If I have anything to say about it, and so far I do. So then you would come, you've been there. So you notice that you go and sit, and then other times you don't sit. No one's coming in uh, criticizing you, and there's no gossip about that if I can help it. So no commentary on somebody else's sitting or lack of sitting. A lot of times in an interview, I'll listen to somebody. And they'll be upset about the way somebody else is practicing or not practicing. And what do I do? Depends on who it is. I might just listen, not say anything. Yeah, I see how you're feeling. Yeah, I can see where that would be upsetting or whatever. Or I might, depending on who it is, I might say, um, how's your sitting going? Or not. So uh, meeting, meeting somewhere they're, someone where they're at means that you've already met yourself where you're at. But it's a practice. So maybe you, you can do that a little bit. And you're working on that, and then you work on how to meet others, and then you see that you need to work with yourself more. And then you see that you're taking the very difficulty that is unexamined and projecting it on somebody else and thinking that they're doing it. 
but it's actually your feelings. It's just an amazing kind of, uh, uh, what is it, sleight of hand? I know there's sleight of mind. Somebody's like, makes you think of, uh, what, what is it? Uh, um, what's the one where the guy's behind the curtain? Wizard of Oz, yeah, the guy's back there. And then when you go back there, there's this kind of a crazy person back there pushing levers and complaining about stuff. You know, that's a, that's a, the great power, the great poobah that everybody was worried about. Josh, had a question? Um, with, I guess, yeah, with truth or reality, is it something that is individual or personal, or is it something that's Universal, like is it everybody's both. truth and reality, or it's, it's both. It's both. It, it has a personal feeling until until you until there's a, the fancy word is Sanskrit is anuttara samyak sambodhi, complete unexcelled enlightenment. There isn't any. There's no longer an individual there, although it sure might look like it to everyone. Can my truth and reality be separate or different from a universal truth and reality? Um, it can look that way for a while, but the uh, fundamental uh, truth is not something, uh, there's no second, there's no second opinion. There's no first opinion, more. Okay. Other questions would be good if you have them. Christina. What does um, Muriel look like when we're sitting with anxiety? <clears throat> you know, it may, look, uh, it may look different to each person to go along with what a little bit with what Josh is saying. Some people, because that's a description that we can all relate to a little bit, but everyone's way of working with that is this uh, This is happening to a person who's uh, who's uh, sitting two or three hours every day. Might be quite a bit different than someone who's only sitting once or twice a week. You know, so just, just that's a simple way of saying it. Not to mention uh, all the other causes and conditions, your family, how old you are, if you have children, if you have Everything. I mean, pets. If you have a job that has odd hours, or if you have a job that's particularly stressful, I mean, there's so many causes and conditions that come into that that there's no way that I, even as a meditation teacher, could even give anybody advice on it. I would probably, if I were put under pressure about it, just trust yourself. Do what you you can see better about that than I can. And if someone is on this path, you're probably pretty genuine. You're pretty sincere about doing this. You wouldn't be in this room. You know, it's, it's not that that can't change, but I would say trust yourself. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to see the causes and conditions that each person is dealing with. And I know that, so therefore I pretty much mind my business most of the time. Uh, even in an interview, uh, you know, I just I just look at you and talk with you and see just how much you're open to even hearing about. I, by way of uh, talking about uh, being a teacher, I can see pretty good. But, but I, I also can see that a person's not ready to hear that yet. So I don't, and they may never be ready. And even some somebody comes, I'm just saying this, uh, someone in an interview uh, this morning, even if, or maybe yesterday, uh, even if somebody comes and says, oh yeah, so goes on. I'm all yours. You're the greatest teacher I've ever met. Go ahead. Hit me with it. Tell me who I am. Tell me who, tell me my neurosis. You can't do that. That, that would not be helpful to someone. I'm not saying there isn't some other teacher that might tell you. Well, you're actually full of it. You think you're better than you are. You think you're better than everybody else. You wander around with a swagger like you're King, what's that, King Tut? 
or Queen Nefertiti, one of those really important people in the past. Probably had past lives as that joy. What is important to observe about energy? What is important about that is the way we assume something about energy that's something else, that's something we don't have, or something we need to get. We, 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 we project onto it so much a relative uh, situation uh, that we, we actually limit ourselves. We'll only, we'll only accept it if it shows up as the way we predetermine or pre, uh, um, preconceive of energy instead of realizing it. Energy is here all the time. More. Please go, go deeper. What types of energy are there? Okay, there's relative energy of like fire, water, wind, uh, the energy of the heat in the body, uh, the energy of communication. I mean, there's, there's all these relative kinds. But then look at your mind. There's a many, uh, energy is uh, all different uh, gradients, all different. It's, uh, there isn't anything that isn't energy. So if I say, just to give you an example, if I say, um, uh, imagine, a, imagine a woods. Can you see a woods? Can you remember a woods? Now, when I clap my hands, I want you to imagine it burning down. See that? So is that energy? And if it is, then what kind of energy is that? Where is that energy? It does not really have a location in uh, space or time. Because I can, I can just say, see it? It's still there. 20 years from now, 20 years from now, that's available. But what we just created together, energy. It's an astonishing thing to discover if that's something that hasn't, doesn't, never showed up for you before, is to realize that everything is possible. It's imagine, is it imagination or is it, did I create that? I mean, I'm the one that talked about it, but the fire, the fire in the woods actually showed up in everybody's mind in different ways. Everybody was kind of doing what you were doing. So, you know, we've got a forest fire on our hands. Yeah, but I'm bringing them all back so we can burn them again. But, I mean, it's just, a, it isn't like there's just some deep, dark secret, but it's its like that whole area is completely susceptible to what? Spontaneity. Completely susceptible to uh, not separate. It's like its like dreaming while you're awake. And you, you can do that. It's available all the time. So if I were going to say... Uh, to talk about levels or different types, I would go through, the, there's relative ones that you already know about, but there's all those levels, and that's just the beginning of those uh, uh, subtle levels. If you if you do uh, um, lucid dreaming or, or uh, what's commonly called uh, projection of the astral body, if you move your consciousness, uh, deliberately move your consciousness out of your body when the body is inert or asleep, uh, you can act about that consciousness of, Willing to go anywhere, it's, and, and it's not. And it's not going through space, and it's not going through time. Time and space don't exist in that area. So, what is that? I mean, what What is uh, if you go back to the last dream you remember, or maybe you maybe you write down your dreams, which I think is a good idea. Go back to something that happened in a dream, and and go back and remember what the space there was. Uh, it was space, but it, was, it wasn't space. It was imaginary, but it wasn't imaginary. It was imaginary because you woke up as, as a dream, but it was. Not imaginary, and that when it was happening, that was your world. There was no altar. There was no sogazan. There was no building. There was, there were, this whole dynamic was not there. And there was a there was something moving, but there was, it didn't seem to be exactly like time. Something else is happening. Sometimes we have dream. We dream things backwards. Sometimes we dream, and then we realize that the dream actually 
started it at the end of the dream and went the other way. If you haven't had that experience, then you have something to look forward to or backward to. <laughs> Gary. Is negative energy, when we say negative energy, a misidentification of what that is? Based on say more. Say more. I'll yes. You said that everything is energy. So to say negative energy doesn't seem to make sense in this context. So saying it's negative or positive is projecting onto it. And you know you may project onto it with all kinds of backup. You could project onto it like the forest fires in California. You know, we can all... We could probably all write down an explanation for that, um, and there are people everywhere that are saying this is why this is this is why well, this is just this has been happening forever. You know, this is just happening. Other people are saying climate change. Uh, other, you know, and you you can side with one side or the other. Some seems to some people this one way seems you know more possible or obvious. It depends on what you know what your preconceptions are. What your there's just so many things involved in that. It's hard to know, you know, you can't really come up with the right and the wrong. Just like if you keep uh, telling lies, saying things that are not true, then eventually that gets so muddled up that you you just don't know what's going on. I mean, you just you can't even remember what you said and you can't remember, so uh, it becomes very difficult. And if you're doing that to yourself, which we all, you may have done some of that yourself, or you might know somebody that is, uh, might maybe somebody in your family or your coworkers or somebody that really is never really leveling, leveling with themselves. They, they could be very nice. They could be very kind. They could be considerate. But when you, if you're, especially if you're a meditator, the more you meditate, the less you're going to know about who you are and the more clear you're going to be about everybody else's neurosis. Please ask me questions about that. I'm just really excited to tell you. <laughs> yes, sir. So is that part of the? So is that part of meeting people where they're at? Yes. And in in determining where someone's at, you have to have a, a sense of where you, your own self is. What I hear you saying is that as you meditate more, you're, you become more aware of where other people are at than really where you are. Yes. Is that? That's very good. Yeah. Thank you. I like that. That's good. Yeah. It's less less. What? Who? What? What is this? What is this? But when you look out, you, everything else starts to become, become very, very uh, sharp and clear. You have to see. This is. I'm not making this up. I mean, maybe a little bit. I like to make shit up. Uh, but this is uh, what is teaching is no self, no self. One and a half fold egolessness is so so tarpa. That's Tibetan. So that's my reference point for my authority. I learned this. 40 years ago. So, so talk about one and a half fold egolessness. So, the first thing you see, you've seen through this, but this still looks pretty solid out here. And it seems to be that's why. So, you do this, you meditate, you meditate, and you see more and more and more that there really isn't a person. There's not an identity. There are the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. You can see those, but you see that they, they used to have little hands where they hang on to each other. Form, get a hold of feeling. Feeling would get a hold of uh, perception. Perception would get a hold of some of the concepts to, to point back to what all was happening back here. Uh, and then I feel like I'm a puppet master here. And then, uh, and then they would all uh, come up, and then uh, into the and then the six senses and their objects. All those senses and their objects would come right back through the first uh, first four, all the way back to form. And, and the deal would be sealed. You're somebody. Yes. How can we be 
become who we are or recognize who we are if we don't know who we are because we're like, Stop being who you're not. That was easy, wasn't it? <laughs> Stop being who you're not. Just stop it. Knock it off. It's easy. Just takes a while. So stop. Anytime you think of your, anytime you judge yourself, that's not you. Anytime you advance yourself, that's not you. There isn't anyone. But but the ego mind keeps doing that, cranking up a self, cranking up a self. I'm, I'm the one who failed. I'm the one who's doing so good. I'm doing pretty good. I used to, you know, I used to really suck, but now I'm doing great. And then a week later, how you doing? That's not so good. I was doing good last week, but this week's just really, you know, work is really hard and everything. And then, then the week after that, I got a new job. Things are really going great. Making any money? Well, no, but it's a great job. Okay, well, wait till you try to pay the rent. First thought, best thought. Yeah, well. It's an old one. Oh, it, good. It was, a, it was a question that was rattling some, something about something about how to be aware of, or even if it's important to be aware of trying to push exertion, trying to do something versus riding that energy. Either one is extra. Don't do anything with it. Don't ride the energy. I never teach that way. Uh, you know, I do teach to be aware, but don't you don't have to know what you're aware of. You know what you're aware of, of you're starting to leave what you're aware of. If you know if you're really aware of something, you won't know what it is. <sighs> You really you won't know what it is because if you know what it is, that means you've named it, you described it, you've given it an edge, you've given it a source, you've given it a direction. The bottom of it's painted red. It's not a baboon. <laughs> you know, we immediately go. So we want this is our way of grasping things with the, the five skandhas. But you can actually just see, form, form, feeling, perception concept or naming or structures or interpretations and consciousness, the sixth sense fields and their optics, all coming together to say, me and my world, myself and my life and my good things, my bad things. Are all thoughts energy? You'd say that. They're just, they're impersonal though. They just come and go, you know, don't, don't have to, uh, it's a, an e even the most evil, horrible, ugly thought of, you know, running into a nursery and murdering babies. That's a pretty horrible thought. Uh, don't do anything with that. I mean, I'm not saying you're having that thought. But if you have, go ahead. What's helpful about naming thoughts, calling, looking at energy? I didn't say that. You did. What's helpful about thinking about energy? I didn't say that. Talking about energy. Are we talking about energy? Right. You're talking about energy. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you, who you really are. And who are you? Say it. Energy? Not separate. It's the separation that anytime you have any imputed separation, you're going to have energy. You're going to have tension. You're going to have coming and going. You're going to have a really hot fire, then you're going to have a really cold fire. In other words, it's out. You're going to have wet water, then you're going to have dry water, no rain. Those polarities are really, really, really intense, and they'll fool you. It's like there's some kind of magician somewhere, like in the Wizard of whatever it was behind the screens going pulling things and making things happen. You go back there and there's this kind of idiot back there, you know, just who just happens to be at the controls, you know, pushing this and turning out the lights, turning down the lights. It's a great story. Who wrote that? Huh? Frank Baum. It's like uh, 
Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass or uh, Alice in Wonderland is a similar kind of taking something that's solid and twisting it in such a way that it gets just gets outlandish like crazy. Like the Queen of Hearts, she was just totally nuts, but not any crazier than some people we know. More about energy. Uh, there's there's some something behind the energy word or that energy that you're working with uh, that I feel we could go into a little deeper if you have some. James. So clear by yourself, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. It may, it may be clear on others. We tend we tend to get as we tend to see how completely you know how much uh, you know how sausage is made. You know. Like, you can't find all the pieces and parts of the whole thing. It's like, what is it? It's like you're, when your question is, what is this or who am I? You know, when you're, when you're at the stage, you're just kind of lost and you continue to practice. You, can tri- you continue to work with the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, but you're, you feel uh, out of it. I mean, there's so many ways I hesitate to use a particular word, but this is why it's important to have a Sangha, to have a teaching, and to have a teacher. For most of us, there are a few people who can do this spontaneous realizers who just blow apart and there's no more self. And then, of course, it takes them 20 or 30 years uh, to whatever to understand what just happened to them. Where you're, we're doing it the other way around. We're starting out, we're putting in the 20 or 30 years or 10 years or three years. It's hard to say. And then we're, we're moving towards that. So when the realization ha- happens, then we already have the understanding that has been uh, cumulative or relative or provisional. But the feeling of not knowing this, see, everyone else seems to be more clear. It's not all that helpful to talking to someone and see that their their confusion is something that they're working on. If they're a practitioner, uh, it looks like there's uh, some uh, possibility that that's something there will open up for them. We usually see that. And if they're not a practitioner, usually the circle is pretty tight. There's no openings anywhere there. They're going to spin just like that right up until the body collapses and goes back into the elements. And it's not bad. It's not like they're bad or evil. Very nice people who get along with everybody and, and uh, you know, go and uh, you know, are helpful to their neighbors and get along good with people, with their, have their children, raise their children. And the children, they might have some spinning going around with them. Again, it's... It's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a valid way to, to live your life. But if you want to understand who this is or what this is deeply, in other words, a spiritual path, then find out who you actually are rather than who, what society tells you you are, or your family tells you you are, or your spouse tells you who you are, or you tell yourself who you are. But that's usually what we're doing. We're constantly recreating ourselves based on causes and conditions, on successes and failures. We, we do it, we impute that. Uh, we, so if we meet somebody who's really well-off, really wealthy, really just kind of has it made in that area. Batteries might running low. You need to get another computer. Oh, I guess you can just plug that one in. <laughs> Josh. Um, don't our successes and failures sometimes kind of shape and determine who we are? Relatively, yes. But uh, but ultimately, it's uh, it's just stuff that happens. It's like it's like hot and cold. It's like the nerve endings. Same nerve endings, and I use this all the time. The same nerve endings that you run a feather over this. How many feathers do I? Come up here, please. 
Do I have permission to do this? It's different. Okay. So, how does that feel? Okay. How does that feel? Fine. That's not Nancy. You liar. <laughs> Ouch. Go <Okay. laughs> Yeah, so. It's, but it's the same. All I'm saying is the same nerd. I mean, it's a simple thing. It's just it's the same situation. You already know that. I apologize for getting. Okay. And those nerve endings are something like that. This happens in the mind also, where we're we're sensitive. We're sensitive to pluses and minuses all the time. And and because we this uh, we have been saying it lately is this like like our spirit or whatever has been downloaded into this body. We are animating this body, and we, because we've been taught since we're very tiny, you know, that we're somebody, and that we should mind, and that we should uh, just how you tie your shoes, and this is how how you hold a fork, and we've been conditioned to to be more and more of this body. And the only time we have some doubts about us when we go to sleep, and you you start to live inside of a have have dream lifetime happening, then it's it's. It's a little fishy about the whole attachment to the body. Because if you just went to sleep and never woke up, you just dream from now on. Any further questions, yes? Um, energy of desire. If you want a pizza and you can't stop thinking about it, it seems like there's a lot of energy to go get a pizza. But the energy to come to the cushion seems a little different. So, it does. So the energy of desire... Of wanting or of ignoring versus the energy of practice. So you have uh, the energy. You could, you know, like pizza. You like pizza. So the energy of being hunger. Uh, you know, that's we're living beings, so we're going to have to eat something. You could derail that into some health food and just eat, you know, uh, yogurt or something. But but the but the the energy to practice meditation is a, has a higher inspiration. If you can say it that way, you have a. Is a kind of an understanding, an ultimate understanding of something that you need or want. So that kind of, uh, we're kind of beginning to understand the whole nature of desire and how that works and the nature of aggression, the nature of ignorance. And desire is uh, like uh, receiving vows. You know, you're, you're trying to find a way to help, uh, using a relative situation to help provide a, excuse me, the strongest dynamic possible so we can begin to understand who we are. It's not the... Buddhism is not a religion in the, the sense of a theism where you're supplicating some kind of a deity. Um, if you do any kind of deity work at all, it's always seen as a creation of your own, a higher self, your own higher mind had take, might take on some kind of a, a form. And there's, I mean, I've done lots of practices like that. Uh, millions of mantras. I have a lot of experience doing that. They don't really teach that a little bit. What I teach is, is you know, sit down, hold still, see the truth. And if you're holding very still, holding your body very still for lengths of time, I don't know if it has to be days or weeks or months or years, but it seems to be necessary to have some kind of stillness in order to see the nature of what keeps tumbling around and moving. Go ahead. Yesterday during Bruce's talk, he was trying to describe something, and he said, um, wisdom is always... Wisdom, in the end, wisdom is stronger than ignorance. And so with the word strength, it sounded like energy. Both was he reading that from Longchenpa, or was he saying that? He was describing Zongchen teachings. Hmm. Well, I heard what you said. What's your question? So 
think with the Dzogchen, they were talking about how everything is already naturally perfect. And the energy... That's what Dzogchen means. ...that sees that is stronger than the ignorance. I would say it differently. How would you say it? I would say the wisdom is not separate from the ignorance. They're, uh, uh, they're identical. And I'm not disagreeing with them. We're both saying the same thing in a different way. So, so how can there be natural energy to wake up? I don't know. It just shows up. <clears throat> just like Napoleon Dynamite said. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how can you how can you say that without a belief or a, a blind faith? You don't have to give up blind faith. You don't have to give up belief. You just have to know that that's what's happening, which makes it not exactly belief and not exactly blind. Or so is it important to have a structure, even though we're taught, or you might realize it's empty, but to lean on that belief? Somewhat. You may. Each person is uh, has a little bit different uh, set of. Uh, um, obstructions in the form of their karma or their causes and conditions that each of us are dealing with. Everyone has a different way that they're covering up, confusing themselves. And the idea is that you, each person, can see that themselves if you just continue to continue to practice. And what you're doing, what you're practicing, is you're strengthening the awareness by watching what's moving without adding to it. So you're watching what comes up without saying that's bad. You're watching what come up, comes up without saying that's good. You're watching what come, what's comes up without saying, eh, I'm not interested. Passion, aggression, ignorance. But conventionally in life, we're doing that subtly all the time. We're doing it to each other. We might be looking at somebody and saying, I, yeah, oh, I'm doing pretty good. And at the same time, you're thinking, you look terrible. You know, you're adding. You might, you might think, uh, I wonder how long I have to stay here and listen to this bullshit. <laughs> We do that. We do. You may not do. I mean, that's my version of it. I'm just such a sweetheart. People don't have any idea how irritated I am. You might do it differently. You might even just. Some people just are just crabby all the time. That's the way they work with it. And some people are just sweethearts like me. Keep coming. There's such a good area to explore. I, I, I can do it with you. It's hard for me to do that without help. Continuing on thread, the question came up. Yes. What what's the difference between belief and trust? Okay, you ready? Okay. Belief, there's there's no more there's no more inspection. You you just believe it, and then you go on to the next odds or ends, and you and you believe it or disbelieve it. So you're operating out of uh, what jumping to, crawling to, climbing to conclusions without any no proof at all. I mean, if your fire is hot, how do you know? Stick your hand in it. But if somebody says fire is hot and the causes and conditions that are arising around a particular situation, uh, you you trust that person. So you would, you know, if you trust them, then you, you know, that doesn't mean you turn off your intelligence, but you're giving that person the benefit of the doubt. So there's, there's something you could call it trust. This doesn't mean trust. Trust is still has its eyes open. But you, you basically trust, like, um, I'll give you an example. I trust that your dog is not going to bite me, but I don't know that. I've never, I've never seen any, any, any sign that your dog, Casey, would suddenly just reach out and bite me. Because, but then again, she's an animal and she's a dog, and so possible, very slim chance that that would happen. So I wouldn't say that I believe that she won't. 
but I trust that she won't. Is that helpful? Yeah, so another question. Go ahead. Trust. It seems like belief can be sneaky. So can we tell when belief is kind of um, sneaking up on trust? Give me an example. I follow you. You think that you don't see that your trust is really a belief. So I follow you. I think it would be very individual that would show up. I think something like that could happen, but if there's a there's a strong awareness if you're and if you're if you're sincere about wanting to be genuine, be be who you are, and find out what is fundamentally true and what's appropriate, uh, can, being considerate of everyone and everything around you, that's difficult, especially if you've got some people or some situations that are difficult to work with. You know, people, someone at work who who is. Uh, Someone at work say that it just gives you a hard time about something. You know, they're they're always they're giving you a hard time, and and so you know that might be an area where instead of going and communicating with the person, you know, you might their way of giving you a hard time might might trigger things that you have not examined in yourself. You know, right down here next to your kidneys. I'm just saying that metaphorically. I'm just saying it's hidden. You don't know. You don't know you have it until somebody triggers it, and when they do it, you think it's them. Rather than it's some negativity that you have not seen, so you think you might even believe it's them. They're doing it. I'm going to talk to that person because they're so. But you know, they they might just have a little bit of an idea of what they're talking about. They might be totally willing to. You came if you came to them and say, you know, I see you're having difficulty with what I'm saying or what I'm doing. So let's talk about this. Communicate. You heard me say communicate, cooperate, collaborate. And I didn't make those up. I don't know where they came from. Stolen so, so you would you would give them the benefit of the doubt. You would come and say, even though you're kind of concerned and it's not going to be fun, but you go and say, I, I understand that you have you're having problems with my activity in this particular area, and I just wanted to talk to you about it. And they might say, Well, yeah, you're actually going to come here and talk to me about that. You know, I mean, like I'm not going to change my mind or that kind of stuff. But you know, you would give it some space. Meet them where they meet them in there. Confusion. Meet them in that, and and then if you do that, their own innate intelligence, even if they're not a meditator, their own, you know, unless they're unless they're severely uh, caked over with the, the cement of uh, of uh, what's that fancy word? Being an asshole. Yeah. Unless they're severely cemented down, you know, through what causes and conditions probably brought that about to them. They have maybe never had anybody be kind to them. So. Anyway, you would go and work with them as best you can, and uh, see if you can't have some. See if the the, the, the finger pointing from their end to you <clears throat> that's causing you to erupt in some kind of defensiveness. Uh, see if that couldn't be worked out. See if you couldn't find some space there. Uh, you know, communicate. So this is how I'm feeling. When you say this, I'm feeling this, and uh, and they might. If you describe how you're feeling to them, uh, they they might even realize that you're. You're talking about your own feelings, not anything they said or did. So you're always running a little bit of a risk anytime you go to talk to anybody that they might be able to see deeper into you than you can see into yourself. Especially if you sit in front of uh, uh, somebody that has really, really big, bright red eyes, like an alligator. You know anybody that looks like an alligator? So far, you've been pretty lucky. More? You follow what I'm saying by the, by the this and the trigger. And even though they're talking about something else, uh, it, your reaction is 
you know, not just you, but anybody. Your reaction is coming out of unexamined aggression or confusion or something that is uh, that you haven't looked at. Just because you've been meditating for uh, 20, 30 years or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to go into that. You might, you might stay on the surface. You might stay on the surface. Actually, coming back to the original theme of the, uh, the talk is uh, virya, or energy. And if you spend too much time pushing, that will actually stop you. It's just like continuing to trying to get the center of the circle to not be the center. I think we should talk about this more so to this afternoon, too. I think so we could just go on and on and on about this. Yes? Does it seem like um, some difficulty with... Um, perceive others when you're clear about your negativity. Can you give me an example? It doesn't have to be a little well, personal. We've talked a lot about unexamined negativity and mm-hmm. how it comes out towards others. Yes. Um, is there still irritation when you're clear about your own negativity? Yes. Might even be more. But just be clear about your negativity might, because you can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of who you are. That's why it's so necessary to make friends with yourself on a really deep level so that no matter what happens in the world, there's no surprises. You you know who you are. You know what this is. You know the negativity. And you're no longer trying to be somebody else. Nothing to get rid of. Some teachers or teachings talk about getting rid of this. I mean, you you find it in the sutras where they're camping something down or getting rid of it or shutting out the, what do they call it, the... The uh, followers of other traditions, you know, stamping them out. Um, people who don't follow the Buddhist teachings or something. Primitive kind of stuff. Different culture, different time. But yes, you might, you might actually, might actually feel that. But but because you know about it, because you feel it, when that trigger happens, if I'm tra- tracking what it is you're asking about, uh, there wouldn't necessarily be a reaction. There might be a feeling. But because you're clear about that, because you're clear about that situation and that someone is triggering it, you can see the whole, uh, there's, a, there's nothing b- uh, backstage. Every, uh, there is no backstage anymore. There is just, you're very clear about the whole dynamic. And you, if you're on this path, you're willing to have that negativity forever, if it means saving all beings. So you take, as it says, uh, in the, um, one of the practices of Bodhisattva is to say all all, uh, uh, all success and happiness to others, all, all uh, blame and distress or difficulty to me. Find a bodhisattva that will say that. It's a difficult one because you want to be happy. And uh, the thing that we find in the Mahayana, the bodhisattva path, is that the way to happiness is save all beings, take care of others. This doesn't mean kissing somebody's butt, it's being mean to you. Yes, go ahead. Does it mean to want that back to you? All success to others, all... So have it the other way around? Yeah. What does it mean? It's just, it's just self-centeredness. It's just belief in a self that needs to needs that. And would rather have that than have other, others have it. No, what, what does the Bodhisattva mean? Why the, the negative things to come back? Uh, but, but you can do that because there isn't anyone. Okay. So... I mean, even though there, it might feel like that when things come back, there's there isn't anyone. So you, the beginning of that is to maybe not feel so good about it, but you're going to do it anyway. But, mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a sacrifice. Um, not only, but, only, but not really. It's, it's only a sacrifice if it's theism. If there's somebody who is a martyr, has a martyr, there isn't anyone. 
there isn't anyone, to, there's no one to be harmed. But the world thinks there is, so you look at all the beings that are at war with each other, and you, this is the, this is Maitri Bhavana. This is actually the mechanical way is a Tom Lin practice, which I don't recommend because it's too intense for people who are working with, uh, working with dealing with themselves and with their negativity is to take on the negativity of others. It might not be a good idea unless it's uh, taught individually, but not to a group. Go ahead, please. So, 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 so it's a kind of an intention then, a, a willingness? Willingness, just an intention. And everyone is so different. Everyone's karma, their feelings. Some people are not ready to do this. And I'm not here to push anybody around. I'm saying, meet everything where it's at. It's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not my point. Not. Anything else? No, thank you. Very good. Thank you. Good, good question. Any, anyone want to take us further into that, especially where uh, uh, Jim was going? <laughs> Help me. We're waiting for lunch. This afternoon we'll talk more about Sandru exertion. Only we'll talk about a little bit different. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.